Hello, welcome to this week's Therapy for Me. And I've been sat here for nearly an hour trying to work out what the hell I'm going to talk about today. Because as it stands at the moment, I haven't really got a clue. Um, I've got a little list um, and it all kind of... It folds around the fact that I've been to London for a couple of days this week and there's a few things, odd things that have gone on and a couple of things I've noticed that I thought I would cover. But it's been one of those weeks where I really, really haven't had anything that's kind of exorcised me to, to the extent or has hit me to the extent, mainly because I've had my head down doing some work and then and then we've just been away. Um, so it's a little bit of, of my week, really, rather than anything sort of grandiose. So apologies for that. But tell you what, let's have a bit of twangy guitar and get going. Monday. First thing to note is that the week's all a bit muddled up in terms of days. So the thing that I'm going to talk about today I didn't do on Monday, I actually did on Thursday. Um, and the way the week was framed, I went down to London for a uh, a meeting. It wasn't a meeting; it was a lunch. I'd been invited to a lunch on um, on Wednesday and toddled off down Wednesday morning, and then stayed down for a couple of days. Uh, and Mrs. S joined me on Thursday, and we went to theatre Thursday night, and we went to the uh, Royal Haymarket, um, which we'd never been to before either has been to that particular theatre before it's it's a beautiful kind of it's one of those kind of coliseum looking frontages with pillars and white building and what have you and it's on the it's on the road that joins um piccadilly circus to um trafalgar square and you drop down and it's and it's there and it's you you can you can see it if you if i stood you in front of it you would say oh well that's a london theatre because it looks very much like what you'd expect a london theatre to look like which in of itself is a crazy statement but I'm going to stick with it um, and we went to see a play called Noises Off which is one of those plays that we have seen a couple of times and is in that list of plays we've really laughed at when we went to so of the, of the few things that we've been to and really 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 found funny then uh, the 39 Steps um, the, the parody of the 39 Steps first time saw that absolutely howled at that um, absolutely howled at Avenue Q, which was just fantastic. And if you've never seen Avenue Q, which is um, a show where the actors, uh, it's like Sesame Street, basically, it's like an adult version of Sesame Street. That's just that's just brilliant. Um, and um, you've got One Man Two Governors, uh, which is the um, the play that I think was written. In fact, we've talked about this because um, it was on through the pandemic. And I think it was was actually adapted for James Corden, but we saw it with a different cast, and that was just amazing. And then the final one is Noises Off, which is what we want to see or what we went to see um, this week. And we've been fortunate to see Noises Off with some really great casts. Uh, saw Neil Pearson uh, play the uh, the director in the very first. Uh, the uh, time we went to see it, and he was he was brilliant in that role. He's probably the best of the three people that we've seen. But we've seen some some great people in the particular cast, and it's very 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 funny. And if you don't know the play, it's based on a uh, a touring production um, of a of, of this this comedy. Um, and you see the final rehearsal. Um, you see the first act, final rehearsal. Um, for the first act of the play, then you see halfway through the run um, what's been going on in terms of the, the the dynamic and the drama with the cast, and you see this the the first act again from 
behind the set uh, halfway through the run and then you see it at the in the final week of the run uh, you see the act played out in front of the audience front of set and it's it's a really clever concept and it's a really 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 funny play um it, and, and again to see it in that theater was 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 just great but the thing that apart from just saying we won't see it and it was fabulous if you haven't seen it you ought to you know go and see it because it's well worth seeing and it's touring at the moment is um is that we should have seen Felicity Kendall. She she didn't she she wasn't in the role. I don't know how long she's not been in the role, but she wasn't in the role um, on that particular night. And we saw Lisa Goddard instead, um, who's kind of one of those kind of stalwart actors that we grew up with. You know, I grew up with through through my sort of youth and remember seeing her on television a lot. And she was very good. Um, and, and Matthew Horn of Gavin and Stacey um, played the, the 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 kind of the central character really in terms of the actual production, and the rest of the cast were absolutely um, fantastic. Tamsin Athwaite was in it; she was very very good. But the real surprise was that one of the parts, probably probably the the kind of the easiest part to play with some of the some of the best lines. Um, which is this this aged drunk actor called Selston, uh, which should have been played by uh, Matthew Kelly, but actually when we arrived, it was, he was being played by James Fleet, and James Fleet's one of those actors that I've always loved, love him ever since I saw him in Vicar of Divoli, love him in everything that I've seen him in, and it was just great to see him, and he had an absolute whale of a time with this particular role and did exactly what you'd expect somebody like James Fleet who's been around a long time to do which is just milk every single line that was there to be milked and bearing in mind that's a part that is there to be milked anyway in a kind of an Oliver Reed kind of sense he absolutely nailed that so a very very enjoyable evening and if you've never seen Noises Off find out where you can go and see it and just go and see Noises Off I am back on track now for the right thing on the right day and I'm basically going to say that we have kicked the Rwandan can firmly down the road. Uh, after a day of, of, of high political drama in Westminster, the actual vote itself um, became a bit of a damp squib, though it was interesting in terms of the debate as basically the Tories just took chunks out of each other. And look, we knew that we know they're divided. We know they're split. I don't think we really understood how divided and how split they were until we've come across all the various groups that are now existence in existence within the Tory party from what they're calling the left. And the left of this particular Tory party is not left, let me tell you all the way through to uh, to the Tory right and the ERG and the absolute headbanging nutters. But the 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 fact the fact that we now have something loosely being described as the five families on the right of the party that's being pushed forward by that absolute political colossus mark francois is just is just parody beyond parody i mean it's starting to look like spinal tap it really really is um and all, of course, we've done today is by having the 30-odd people who've abstained today, we've just, they've just basically said, look, when it comes back in January, we're, we're going to fight you on this. We get, if, we don't get the, if, we do, if we don't get what we want in that kind of four-year-old's kind of way, then we're going we're gonna to 
scream at that point and bang our fists on the table or whatever it is that we're going to do. And of course, one half of the party is already uncomfortable with this legislation because they think it goes too far. Another half is 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 convinced it needs to go further. Uh, the Rwandans, bizarrely, are in the middle saying you can't do any more and you can't breach your international obligations because we're concerned about that. The Rwandans are concerned about that. So it's it's set up for the whole psychodrama being played again in January. So as much as when Rishi wandered in uh, looking fairly relaxed, he knew that he'd got the votes to get him through then. All he's really done is guaranteed that he's still going to be be Prime Minister in 2024 for a period of 2024. We just don't know how long. Interestingly, this thing they wanted through quick because they wanted flights off the ground by the spring so they could maybe use this and frame it as as part of an election uh, campaign. Hasn't There's no date yet as when it's going to come back for the third reading. Of course, it's going to get messy at the third reading. So the, the whole spectacle of the Tory psychodrama that is just playing out in front of our eyes day by day by day and how perfectly relaxed Starmer is about it just leaving them to it letting them tear chunks out of each other absolutely tear chunks out of each other is just is just is just beautiful if you need to know why it's such nonsense then seek out I'll try and find it seek out the the four and a half minute speech that um, Chris Bryant did uh, I thought, by the way, as well, Stephen Kinnock's summing up for, for Labour was very good as well. But it, just just listen to the four and a half minutes of Chris Bryant to realise why this, this bill is such absolute nonsense and why it's doomed to fail, because it is doomed to fail. Um, th- there's just so many inconsistencies in the whole thing uh, and it contradicts itself. But but that's if you need the four and a half minutes worth of why, then, then the four and a half minutes of why... It was incredibly articulated by Chris Bryant, who has a way of beautifully articulating everything about the Tory uh, nonsense at the moment. Wednesday. I don't know why it is, and I've actually realised, having noticed this, that I'm exactly the same, because I then was, was alert to it. Um, after it happened and realised that I'm no better than anybody else. So it, it, this is not me saying, oh, there's a whole group of people who are terrible at a certain simple thing and I'm I'm amazing. I realise that I'm exactly the same and do exactly the same frustrating things as everybody else does. But if you run, if you run on the streets of a city, um, if you run, particularly if you run around the streets of, of somewhere like London, you notice that people are incapable of walking in a straight line. Now, I don't know whether it's mobile phones, I don't know whether it's something like umbrellas that, that throw people off, but as you walk, if you, if you run behind somebody, one of the things that you do is that you start to work out whether you're going to go past them on the left or the right. And of course, you have to worry about things like if, they're, if it's a, you know, a building, let's say it's a bridge, okay, because it actually happened a couple of times running over the river. You've got the bridge on one side, that's a hard stop. And then on the other side, you've got the curb. And so in your head, as you're running behind somebody, you're thinking, right, which side am I going to go? And of course, what we tend to do is we tend to walk down the middle of the road. If we think we're on our own, we just walk straight down the middle of the pavement. Right, okay. So you come to somebody who's theoretically in the middle of the pavement, which is like, well, great, I can go on that side. There should be enough room. That's absolutely not a problem. And then they start to waver about like a plane that's coming into land in the wind. Okay, and, and the wings are tipping either way and they're moving slightly from side to side. So you start to go to the right-hand side thinking, well, that's fine. I'll go this side. But of course, the problem there is that that's where the edge of the bridge is. So if they move anywhere towards the edge, you're going to get kind of wedged in between them and the edge of the 
edge of the bridge. And then, of course, you then make the decision to go on the left-hand side, and that's absolutely fine, except then they, they wave out there a little bit, and that's going to push you onto the road. And it happens. It's not just that somebody weaves to one side. They weave both ways. And I don't know if it's mobile phones. I don't know if it, I don't know what it is. I can't work out why it is that you do it. But at the point when I had it, I'd, I'd kind of found myself tutting a bit as I was running uh, about the fact that bloody hell, why can't you walk in a straight line? I then noticed that I was no better. Now, the thing that's even worse is the standing stop still. The whole, the, you know, you're walking down the road. The whole, the whole, the whole city is trying to walk along the piece of pavement you're walking along to, and all it needs is somebody to decide to stand still to throw to throw the whole thing, to absolutely throw the whole thing. So let's not worry too much about that one. Let's worry about the left to right thing. No, when you're out next time you're out about, just see if you walk in a straight line, because you know what? I don't think you, I don't think you do. Thursday, we had a situation as we were coming back. Um, on the train and the trains were really really busy both ways um, and we have that situation where somebody appears in the seat next door to us and was on the phone as much as he could have been on the phone for most of the journey back and he was clearly somebody that organized whether he ran his own business or not I'm, I'm suggesting I think he probably did he, he looked like somebody who ran his own kind of contracting business of some description and it does it did some kind of work whether it was alarm work or whether it was whatever it was you know it was some kind of work that was being done in, in buildings so he was doing some kind of fit out or some kind of renovation or some kind of something in buildings um, and he, he spent an hour and a half on the train journey just getting annoyed, just getting annoyed with various contractors and various things he needed to organise. He was organising vans and he was organising all manner of things for, clearly they were they were working in buildings th- through the night. So um, these are obviously buildings that are up and running that need some kind of uh, work doing. And he was clearly working through the night um, or his teams were working through the night and he was arranging contractors and all these kind of things. And he was in such a heightened state through the entire journey. He'd routinely get annoyed um, at the fact that you can't make phone calls on a train journey for an hour and 20 minutes, an hour and a half, which you can't. So he would get annoyed and we'd have a little bit of, uh, we'd have a little kind of expletive laden kind of meh when, when the phone signal went down. And then it was just everybody he was unhappy with. Everybody who, and it was, it's kind of a trait of the people who do that job that nobody can do the things they do as well as they do it. So they're constantly annoyed with everybody because everybody isn't doing what they're, spo- they're supposed to be doing to the way that that person wanted it doing. And he got off at the, the, the same station we got off at and he, and he jumped into his big Porsche and he zipped off at, at huge speed, far faster than he should have been going for the road that he was on. Not that I'm going to make a big thing of that, but anyway. And it just, it just talked to a man who was in a really, really heightened state. And I wonder what the rest of his life was like, because clearly that business he's built up, which is clearly worth a lot of money, brings him an inordinate amount of strain and stress. And you just wonder, having listened to it, I mean, look, it was, you know, I mean, you, you could have got, you could have got annoyed about it because we had no choice, but it was it was the backdrop to our entire journey home. But but it, and it's, it is something about those people, those people that are doing those kind of jobs, which always seem to descend into chaos and involve loads of last minute stuff trying to be organised and involve, you know, he'd fallen out with at least two or three of his clients 
and he was not doing any more for this person and not doing any more for that company and didn't like that company and they've had too many favours and that's it, it stops and I don't care about this and I don't care about that and you know how much money is this costing and and it it was that whole just that whole bit you know of just like why why are you doing this why are you actually doing this why have you arrived have you arrived at this situation you know and he'll i can't help he, he's he's going to keel over one of these days um and i you know you, you you come across it it's not part of the world that i work in but you come across it for time to time i just never quite get that heightened state of of or the place that you find yourself in when you do do something like that <laughs> Friday. One of the things I like to look at when we're going around London is I like to look at what shops people are queuing outside um, because I think it's always interesting to see where the queues are. Is that that's that's the next interesting thing? That's the thing that people really want to queue for, um, and, and I never never quite. I suppose it's 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 in an, a, a way to try and find out you know where the zeitgeist is at the moment. And, um, and and there was three three places people were queuing outside over the few days that I was there. And I probably wasn't there late enough in the evening to see the extra ones. But uh, Dishoom was one of them. Um, an inordinate queue around the Dishoom just, just off um, Seven Dials. Um, the, the second one was Stussy, the, the clothesware brand. Um, and I know that Stussy's back in because Josh is buying bits of Stussy on, on Vinted. So I know Stussy's a thing because he's spent a lot of money on a couple of Stussy t-shirts. And I, and I can't imagine Stussy's always been in. So I think this is this is definitely part of the whole um, vintage revival and what's going on with brands like that and Carhartt and a few others. Um, but there was a queue there. And the third one, which I really didn't get, was this this shop on Monmouth Street, again in Covent Garden, called, um, well just off, again, just off Seven Dials, um, called Apple Butters. And the queue outside Apple Butters was, was I mean, for, for what was a relatively small sort of cafe eatery, this queue must have been at least double the capacity of the shop. So the shop is full, and then the next sitting or sitting and a half or even two sittings, maybe it wasn't double, Certainly the next sitting and a bit was outside waiting and queuing to get in. And I looked at what they were doing and it, yes, it was nice and it was casual and it was a bit comfort food and this that, and the other, but I didn't quite understand why. Why is apple butters a thing? Who's been there? What's gone on? What don't I know that is driving people to go and 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 sit there? Because I ended up, we ended up passing the ivy uh, or one of the, one of the versions of the Ivy, the um, sort of off Soho in the afternoon. And that was very busy. And I, I did speculate at that point in time that I don't I don't really understand that. When you have a restaurant like the Ivy, which was a specific location that had grown up and its reputation had grown up based on its clientele, based on its original location, I never quite... I mean, it's, look, it's a great job that the Ivy have done. But... Um, managing to get loads of 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 variants of the ivy different locations of the ivy when actually it was the single location that made the original what it was and its clientele was based purely on where it was that you managed to take that and and throw that 
around, I thought is, is quite impressive. So, you, you know, I think it's very impressive when you can fill an ivy nowhere near where the original was. For, and, and, and there is, you, it's very difficult to carry that thing that was what established it and gave it its reputation in the first place. But they've done it and, and fair play to them. They, they, they managed to have a successful brand there. Um, and I think it's a little bit the same with with Apple Putters. I kind of I kind of want to know. I want to know what's driven that little bit of that that audience. Why is everybody queuing outside there? Now, was it just because there was an O2 priority deal and everybody was getting food for next to nothing? Possibly. Can't see it myself. It seemed to be a little bit more than that. Uh, particularly when you looked at the queue, because the queue was kind of beautiful people, if that makes sense. It was the kind of people you would expect to be in a queue because that's the place to go or more than likely the place to be seen. So if you can let me, if you know anything about Apple Butters, you can tell me why. I would really, really appreciate it. And on that, on that note, I will, I will leave you for this week. Hope you have a really nice weekend. Uh, I'm going to go and sit down and have a very pleasant hour uh, with the TV, uh, the, the, the Christmas uh, Radio Times, which I picked up uh, last night. So uh, over the moon to have that. Um, to, to sit down with on a Saturday morning and another cup of tea and I'll talk to you all next time If you've enjoyed Therapy for Me then please subscribe and share as you see fit This has been an A Short Stories production